politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots, common sense Americans, and all around good men and women of this country, hardworking taxpayers to the Conservative Review podcast. It is Friday on this dreary, dark, dank, um, quiet as anything Friday. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I did have an inkling to take off today. It's like a nuclear warfare. There's nothing out there in my business. Everyone's just quiet. Uh, Friday, late in August, um, just rainy, although I'll take that over the heat wave any day of the week. I am so tired because my kid was up a million times last night and I could barely think straight. But nonetheless, it is an honor and a privilege that you guys pass the show around and allow our voice to get out. And I can't miss a day, um, at least not of my own doing, because this gift of First Amendment that we still have in this country, look, I'm going to utilize it to its fullest. And as you well know, I told you yesterday we were going to talk about the need for the president to finally declare war on sanctuary cities. There is nothing worse than that. Now, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of other things. Even on a quiet day, frankly, I'm busy every minute. Because every day there are teachable moments, stories, policies, legal cases that we can get involved with, we could publicize that really matter to the essence and the core of our future as a nation, as a people, as an economy, as individuals. There's a lot going on on the debt front, on the economic front. Again, there's more economic news today that despite the economic slowdown in terms of growth, but the labor market is actually still very good. Giving into my, or lending credence to my thesis that the labor market is still good because it's a boom period, tax cuts, but nonetheless, it's not resulting in full economic growth because of the debt. The president just tweeted out today how many trillions of dollars we're losing to China. And he does that in the context of trade. But what the president doesn't realize is how much money he's giving to them by signing these stupid budget bills and just piling on more debt than we did even under Obama. So we're going to get to that next week. But for now, we know no one's going to fight for us on fiscal conservatism, not that I'm giving up on it. But when it comes to who we are as a nation, we basically have a neo-confederacy where you have a bunch of localities, 564, according to the Federation for Immigration Reform, fair, 564 jurisdictions that by their calculation covers 68% of the illegal alien population in this country. These jurisdictions, they will not cooperate with federal law, and they take active steps to thwart federal law, to harbor, harbor, aid, and abet, encourage, and induce illegal immigration. And yet now we have federal judges, unelected, La Raza activist judges, telling us our laws from the 1800s dealing with our sovereignty, they're out the door, as if they have the power to do that, which they don't. This is pure rape of America, friends. When illegals could come in here, force us to pay for their hospital bills against our will, force citizenship for their baby against our will, 
how they could, some of them are criminal aliens. The case of Montgomery County, this guy raping or attempting to rape a 12 year old girl this week while his wife was giving birth to an anchor baby on taxpayer dime. And nobody talks about any of these cases. So I promise to go one by one, and I know I'm gonna forget a lot of them, just with some of the cases I've been dealing with. Now, let me just start off with this. Just before I went to went on air, this is hot off the press. I don't have time to cover it, so I'm gonna to try to get my colleague Nate Madden to do a follow-up. But I had Nate do an article on this. This case from North Carolina, as you know, Mecklenburg County. It's a county, this is Charlotte, North Carolina. They will do everything they can to harbor child molesters and ensure that ICE doesn't get a hold of them. Now, let me just say that imagine if we had states and counties that refuse to enforce federal laws on Americans, tax laws, gun felons, and they said, we're going to do everything we can to hide the ball. We're going to hide police scanners, the link system we might talk about next week, I mentioned on yesterday's show. We're going to hide parole records, arrest records. We're going to modify everything we do so they cannot get people who exclusively are illegal aliens who, in addition to being here illegally and engaging in document fraud and identity theft, committed other crimes, often very violent. And what we're having here in this country is a rash of child molesting, a rash of suffocations, burning bodies, beating people. And again, in America, we've always had this to some extent. We're always going to have some sort of criminals that do this stuff. But we're having large numbers importing this cartel machista culture of the cartels and the transnational gangs flooding our country with this stuff. It's time the president, as we approach the September session of, of Congress, that he jujitsu this gun control agenda and say, no, we're going to have immigration control, we're going to have criminal alien control, and we are finally going to declare war on sanctuary cities. There is no greater issue over which to win elections. There's no issue that literally speaks to the undoing of our foundation as a orderly republic, ordered liberty, descending into anarchy. So in North Carolina, Nate Madden reported this last week, among the 22 cases, the recent egregious cases where they denied detainers, so there was this man, Oscar Pacheco Leonardo, 33-year-old Honduran national, was, re was released by Charlotte, okay? So he was released by local officials and he went on to rape a minor, okay? He was freed about two months ago before his arrest by ICE and he was a previously deported in 2006. So we have a re-entrant and those guys are really bad dudes, the re-entrant. Those are the guys that really are live on the wild side. Those, I mean, I've seen this, following this for 15 years. You know, to the extent you could have kind of an innocuous, just impoverished illegal who's not going to physically harm you, it would be a first timer. But the ones that are previously deported and come back, they're usually really bad dudes. And this guy was previously released. 
And um, nearly two months ago, they refused an ICE detainer. And they released this guy following his arrest on first degree rape and indecent liberties with a minor. ICE finally got a hold of him on their own about a week or two ago, and it was reported last week. Now, there's more to this story. So this is the sanctuary aspect of it. The sanctuary aspect. And just yesterday, Governor, Governor Roy Cooper, the r- r- radical Democrat there, he vetoed an, uh, a bill passed by the Republican-dominated state legislature dealing with sanctuary cities. So this issue, more than any other issue, should be the issue that the election is about. And I know Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest, a friend of mine who is challenging the governor, will make that an issue. We're going to try to get him on the show next week. But then, aside from the sanctuary part, there's the national border part of this. I have late-breaking news to you from my sources that this man was a relatively recent arrival, and he came with a child, one man, one child, not a family fleeing, a perfect scam. And even though he was a re-entrant and was previously deported, our government, until Ken Cuccinelli and some others got in there to fix this, we've been yelling about this the last year and a half, they were in such a rush to release every last person who came with a kid without vetting them, but even the ones that were already criminal aliens already should have been prosecuted like this, they let him go. And another thing is not just, not only are you a criminal, but if you're previously deported, you're what, what we call a consummate flight risk. Even under Flores, even under expanded Flores, Dolly G wrote that, um, I don't have the quote in front of me here, but it's like you have to release them unless they, there's a risk of them absconding and fleeing. And they didn't even push even what, what Dolly G allowed them to do. That's how pathetic this DHS was under uh, Kirsten Nielsen and, and Kelly and McAleenan. And hopefully McAleenan will be pushed out and hopefully Trump will elevate Ken Cuccinelli as DHS director, DHS secretary. But this kid, this guy is the poster child. Remember, several hundred thousand have been released just over the last eight months. How many others are like this? I will tell you it's countless. Even if Trump does everything he's supposed to do from here on out, the crime wave we are going to have in the coming years is unimaginable. These type of people, because it was uh, known to the world that now is your freebie. So this iteration had a worse concentration of criminals than ever before. Remember, we reported from Homeland Security Investigations that some of the caravans that came in January, as many as a quarter of them had previous criminal convictions in the U.S. Certainly convictions outside the U.S. and arrests in the U.S. or outside the U.S., probably much more. They're running around in the country, and this is why I'm shifting my focus a lot to interior enforcement and sanctuaries. But this guy was the poster child, and I can't confirm this, but it's very likely the child he abused was this kid, the golden ticket. How's that for sympathy? 
you phony evangelical groups, phony Jewish groups, phony Catholic groups, all these phony corrupting pseudo-religious groups who aren't religious at all and subvert biblical values. Your compassion is cruelty. Your support for anarchy is cruelty. We let people go that were previously deported. How do I know this? Because today the U.S. attorney of the Western District of North Carolina just indicted this guy on federal charges. He's right. He's charged with uh, um, child sex offenses at a local level. But federal charges for cutting off his ankle bracelet. So what does that show you? It appears that he cut off the ankle bracelet and then raped a kid. The ankle bracelets are a joke. So when they tell you, oh, you could release them. Don't worry, they'll show up. They have ankle bracelets. It is a complete joke. And if we have time, we'll get to this even without immigration and this whole criminal justice reform, you know, having people serve parole with ankle bracelets instead of instead of jail time. This is a huge problem. The police cannot monitor these people. So there's a lot going on here. But again, you'll never see this crying child paraded as the poster child of what's going on at the border. Because frankly, no one talks about it. Because Republicans are a bunch of unicell organisms and they're just dumb as mud or don't believe in it, depend on, depending on who it is. So that's the late breaking news. There's a lot of important lessons here. Number one, these are the people coming to the border. These are the people we're releasing. We're releasing even re-entrants instead of prosecuting them. And ankle bracelets are nonsense. And these very people are raping people. And, and we would never know. The media is not connecting the dots. Local media in North Carolina is reporting that this guy was indicted on for cutting off the ankle bracelet. But they're not connecting the dots. Wait a minute. This guy came with a kid and is the poster child of Flores who just came to the border and was released and was able to cut it off and then rape a kid. Boy, are there a lot of homosexuals among them, man. So that is that case. Then we have another case in North Carolina. Now, this happened in June, but it was new thing. There were new developments, which is why I, um, I talked about this the other day. And I just want to read to you because, again, there's a lot of important lessons here. I'm just trying to pull this up here on my screen. I, there's so many cases. I just honestly, I got to go out and get more print paper because I ran out of paper. I was printing so many articles. So some of them I have to have up on my uh, my screen here. This is from the Hickory Daily Record. This is an Alexander County, um, Alexander County, North Carolina. This guy is a triple homicide suspect, killed three people, and they were likely illegal aliens who he killed. Again, the people who call those of us who believe in sovereignty, immigration enforcement, the rule of law, white supremacists, just know that by continuing sanctuary policies at a national level, at a local level, just remember the people that you are hurting the most are Hispanics because they are most often the ones killed and raped as a result of criminal aliens being let loose. Listen to this. An ICE detainer was placed on the man charged with first-degree murder of two children and their mother. Two children and a mother separated permanently in the grave. 
You'll never hear about this. Ariely Aguari Aviles, 30 years old, is charged with the deaths of a brother and sister, Angel Pacheco, 11, and uh, America Pacheco, 12, and their 38-year-old mother, Maria Calderon. The children were found dead in their burned home early on June 16th, and Calderon's body is still suspected to be in Katwaba River, meaning he dumped in the river. Avilas was also indicted on statutory rape of a child 15 years old or younger, a count of violation of domestic violence order with a deadly weapon and first-degree arson on Tuesday. The rape charge does not involve the Pacheo siblings. You'll see that in a minute. Heidi Darlene Wolf, Avilaz's 16-year-old girlfriend, is also charged with three counts of first-degree murder and a count of first-degree arson. So by the way, it's funny. It's, the irony is lost on them. This is just a side point, parenthetical. Uh, 16-year-old girlfriend. How old is this guy? He's 30. Yes. So this is not even a rape case, although there was this is a murder arson case, but he was previously charged with rape and um, sexual assault So on a minor. So he now has a girlfriend who's a minor. Folks, you cannot imagine how pervasive this problem is now in our country. And you cannot imagine after we've imported roughly about a million Central Americans over the last 15 or so months. I have to get the exact, I have it on a spreadsheet. Um, if you count up all the numbers, singles and family units, it's unimaginable the child sex that we're bringing into this country. But I, I just thought it was funny. I mean, not funny, but sad how pervasive it is that even in an article that's not about this, it's like, yeah, you know, his 16-year-old girlfriend was also charged. Well, this guy's 30. Anyway, um, let's see what else we got here. This is what's important. Bowman said Avilaz was identified as a person of interest in the recent deaths when police found he was charged with assaulting Calderon, that's the person he wound up killing, in December 2018. Which, was event, which he was eventually convicted of. According to a domestic violence order filed in January, Avalos also threatened to burn Calderon's home down. So he was already known as a violent offender. How wasn't he? And I know Alexander County is not a sanctuary, but again, where are the congressional hearings? Do something. How is someone right? Meaning, imagine if we had the El Paso shooter already in custody, charged and convicted on assault while saying, I want to kill a bunch of Hispanics. And we let the guy go. And that's an American. This guy's an illegal. He should have been removed. Three avoidable losses of lives. I'm assuming they're illegal aliens, but either way, they're Hispanics. And again, I don't care about that. To me, that should never matter. But to the media, to the political class, to the politicians on both sides, evidently, if you're the right color, your life matters more. I mean, Americans killed, like, screw you. you uh, America is not for Americans. So what my point is, at least care about the fact that probably if you go with general BJS statistics on homicide, 70 to 80% of murders are people known to the offender. It's going to be other illegals or certainly other Hispanic immigrants in their communities that are going to be the casualties of this point. So what are the lessons here? Previous assault charges, previous assault on a minor, 
and nothing happened to him and he was able to murder three people. Another lesson, he murdered them by burning them alive. And this is a, this is a Central American thing. Let's just say that. Three lives, so it's not a gun. It's not about the weapon. It's about known criminal offenders, most certainly the most redressable ones, which are illegal alien ones. Where is the national discussion, Mr. Trump? You need a national discussion on these loopholes. How do sanctuaries let these people in? Alexander County is now a sanctuary, but why? Why do we not have a system in place that anyone who's illegal that's arrested for these type of crimes, DHS should be able to get to them? We need a national discussion on that. So that's with this case. Let's move on. Let's move on. So we have here a whole bunch of cases. So Montgomery County, Maryland. I mentioned yesterday, four rapes, some of them of minors, and a fifth attempted rape in Montgomery County in just one month. These are just the ones we have. We have five so far. Um, and uh, again, every case, there's no gun. This woman that was brutally raped and almost killed, she was uh, punched and strangled. Um, that That police report was really bad. So this woman whose whose name is you know thankfully uh not reported you know she was almost killed with bare hands not a gun a 12 year old was almost raped by a guatemalan national there while his wife was giving birth to an anchor baby boy folks is that not a metaphor the american citizen getting raped I'm not saying in this case it was American citizens. I'm saying the broader metaphor here. We pay for the rope to hang ourselves. While we are paying for their anchor babies and their medical care, they're committing all these crimes. And yes, every one of them is committing identity theft. But many of them are committing terribly heinous crimes. Another one. A smothering in New Jersey. Juanita Rosario, kind-hearted 74-year-old woman, she let in this dude to live with her. Again, I'm assuming she seems like a legal immigrant. She's been here a while just from the profile. So the victim, Camden, New Jersey, she allowed out of the kindness of her heart this guy Esteban Cabrera, 30-year-old illegal alien from Ecuador, to live in her home. I'm the only one reporting I have from ICE that he's indeed here illegally. On August 10th, he's accused of repaying her kindness by smothering her to death with her in her bed. Again, again, you see, once again, New Jersey is a massive sanctuary. They, they, they will not cooperate on rape. They will not cooperate on anything. Once again, the people harmed the most are Hispanics. Once again, it's self-evident that if we don't enforce our immigration laws, Bad people will kill. Guns are no guns. And what is this with the smothering? 
You know, this was just after we had the Billy Chemmer, the case of the Kenyan illegal in Dallas, who is accused of smothering at least 19 senior citizens with a pillow to death. And by the way, just brand new, trying to get this here, I have another case for you. In New Jersey, another smothering case. This just, uh, just happened. I'm trying to get my notes here. I can't even keep up with this. Man, is this insane. Um, here we go. WPVI, a New Jersey man, a New Jersey man. I love this. <laughs> you got to love it. A New Jersey man <laughs> accused, again, of burning and suffocating. Burning and suffocating his girlfriend's two-year-old daughter is facing murder charges. So instead of a 75-year-old, this is a two-year-old. Listen to this. Trenton police responded 4.20 p.m. on August 21st, a couple days ago, to a home on the 1500 block of Chestnut Avenue for a report of an unresponsive 28-month-old girl, jeez, who fell down the stairs. The girl, identified as Leah Victoria Marino Rodriguez, was transported to the hospital, later died. Officers who arrived at the scene thought her injuries were caused by more than a fall. They detained 25-year-old Mason and Andres Torres. According to Mercer County Prosecutor's Office, Torres, who is the boyfriend of the victim's mom, caused Leah's death by burning her with scalding water, striking her, <sighs> striking her with fists and suffocating her with his hands. You want to talk about guns? You vermin liberals? What about these criminal aliens in these sanctuaries left and right? Two suffocating cases in one state by illegal aliens within a few days. Suffocating, burnings, strangling, beating. There's a cartel gang culture behind that that we're importing. This is a pervasive problem. We need a national dialogue on this right here, right now. But I move on. Let's go on to the next beating and burning. Because, man, it never ends. No one else, and you'll only hear it from me. Now, this is not an illegal, but so this is not a sanctuary issue, but this is also with a vetting issue. On Monday, this was this Monday, Jorge Lachazo is charged with beating a 75-year-old woman to death in Boca Raton, Florida, while delivering a washer and dryer for um, Best Buy. He's accused of beating Evelyn Udell to death and setting her body on fire. He lit her with chemicals. Now, no one's reporting this, but my sources tell me he is a Cuban national that has legal status. Now, is he really one of these guys who's essentially an illegal, but until the policy was ended, was came to the border, but we essentially didn't have illegal immigration from Cuba because the wet foot, dry foot policy, or did, was it a little bit more of a legitimate one? But either way, where is the soul searching? Meaning, if this would be, this is not a sanctuary case, and the guy is officially, let's just call him a regular legal immigrant. But again, we shouldn't have any criminal immigrants because we can vet them. There's a lot of good people in the world. Everyone wants to come here. If this were a case of a gun, we would focus on the gun. How did he get it? Could we have prevented it? Why, after each one of these cases, is there no soul searching on how did he get a green card? Where was the vetting? Was there a criminal record before? Why didn't we catch this out? How in the future do we better ensure we only let in peaceful people? No, no discussions. And again, the beatings, the burnings, the strangulations, it's nonstop. 
It's nonstop. And then there's the issue. Sometimes illegals do commit murder with, with firearms. Except the difference here is it's 100% illegal for any illegal to own a firearm of any caliber, of any capacity, of any sort, any time. And yet they get them. Because according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, 99% of those in prison for gun felonies, which, by the way, the same gun control liberal jailbreakers want to let out of prison, are in there. They, they got their gun not, not from a retail place or a straw purchase or a gun show or something like that. They get them on the black market. The lesson is you need to target the repeat offenders that the very people pushing gun control, California. I mean, you, I'm sure some of you have seen this. They're now relabeling criminals. They're calling them like re-entered people instead of felons. Republicans, I mean, the Democrats have the biggest glass jaw to punch. They're letting go criminal alien after criminal alien, criminal U.S. citizen after criminal U.S. citizen. And, and they just they just let them go. Let them go. And Republic and Republicans are like, yes, we will help you push gun control. Yes. What a bunch of loser Teletubbies. I mean, th this is this is beyond pathetic. It really is. And, and, and you know what? L let's speak about that. Let's speak about that. Chicago. There are more. Every week you have the equivalent of an El Paso in Chicago. Sometimes less than that period. Sometimes it's in two days. And most of that is caused by what? Knives or handguns, not AR-15s. And they're caused by known repeat offenders who are not locked up and increasingly let out. And they want to do even more. And like I told you, a lot of that in the background is being directed by the cartels. There's always an immigration angle. This is from John Cass, a columnist from Chicago Tribune. The other day, I told you a story about the bond system in Cook County that a teacher walking to school at 1 p.m. in Lincoln Park robbed for her phone, slammed to the ground. Her alleged attacker later arrested, still with her phone. He walked after posting a measly $100 bond. Well, here's another one about a convicted felon who bonded out on a gun charge. On a gun charge! And what was found in his trunk? On August 9th, he goes on to say, Chicago police tactical officers working out of the Morgan Park District pulled over a car driven by Devin Dawson, 23, of South Suburban Richton Park for making an illegal turn. Initially, Dawson gave officers a false name and no valid driver's license. You wonder if the guy's illegal. Um, but uh, they suspected he was a street gang member. And then county officials said he'd been convicted on federal interstate theft charges and for hitting a police officer with a car as he tried to avoid arrest. He did some time and was, was released. Then in April, Dawson was arrested on the south side on an unrelated gun charge. A felon, because he was a felon, so he was a felon in possession. So if you want to go after guns, don't you think those who have already been convicted of violent crimes that are caught with a gun, we should really lock him up forever, right? But no, the gun was a, um, it was a Glock with a 30-round magazine. <laughs> They're all into going after the magazines, 
Let's lock up the 30. Let, let's take, I don't have my magazine on me here. Let's take the magazine and throw it in jail. And then take the felons and violent criminals using them and get them out of jail. This is unbelievable. I mean, folks, you can't make this stuff up. Sorry, I, I had extra caffeine today, so I'm a little bit wild. He was given um, $90,000 bond. Friends immediately showed up with 9000 in cash and he walked. Wonder where he got the cash from. Probably his fellow gang members that themselves are criminals. Um, now, remember we talked about, with the illegal alien, the ankle bracelets and the tracking. Oh, don't worry. Let's not put them in jail. Jail's not good. It costs too much money. We'll put them on bond and we'll monitor them. Don't worry. Well, Dawson's bond mandated he'd be connected to an electric home monitoring device. But on August 9th, he wasn't home. He was at 98th and Halstead in a car. When police took custody of the car, what did they find in the trunk? An electronic home monitoring device plugged into a portable power pack so he could roll through the city a free bird. This is Mr. Cass, John Cass speaking here. Um, great column. Chicago Tribune. Dawson is now in jail, and the Cook County Sheriff's Office is determining how he may have manipulated the device. And here's the important thing. There's a larger problem. The county's electronic monitoring system has been overwhelmed by the Preckwinkle, Evans, Fox push. These are the local politicians to reduce the jail population. Here's the key. There are only 100 deputies monitoring the system to watch over more than 2,000 alleged, alleged criminals, many of them violent. Two, 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 223, 233 were charged with aggravated battery, 198 with unlawful use of a weapon, 108 with being an armed habitual criminal, 109 with sexual assault, 21 with kidnapping, 109 with murder or attempted murder on their record. I, I could go on and on, but uh, this is John Cass, Chicago Tribune. Every one of my colleagues on the right has gotten sucked into this helter-skelter rush. Reduce the prison. Reduce the prison population. Not reduce crime. Just let people out of jail. And it's not enough. They want more. This is out of control. Yesterday, the Bureau of Justice st Statistics put out a study, analysis, 64% of all federal arrests were non-U.S. citizens. All these people saying, Daniel, there's too many people in the federal system. Or we need uh, drugs. Or uh, let them out. First step act. Like, and I and remember, I, I screamed on this for the show for three years. I said, dude, open borders is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Stop that. Do what we're talking about. And you, you deter illegal immigration. Then come back to me if your system is clogged. Most of them are in because immigration is a federal crime. They're there for immigration. Now, most of these guys are charged for reoffending, for repeat offending. But I will tell you now, a lot of people will tell you, well, Daniel, this doesn't prove that the degree of criminality. So I'm not bringing it up to prove that I'm bringing it up to prove that jailbreak is nonsense because most people in federal prison or a good number of them or certainly in the system with the marshal's custody on trial, offenders are, um, are foreign nationals. But the important thing to know is that 
usually we don't charge them with simple immigration stuff if that's all we think it is. It's usually bad guys that are doing other bad things. And because we don't have criminal justice in this country anymore, we have anarchy, it's so hard to land a conviction on anything. So they go the immigration route because that's open and shut. You just prove he's a foreign national. You reenter the country illegally. So at least I could I could convict you on that. But that um that is uh very much the key here. And yet, what are we pushing here? That it's time the president enforce 8 USC 1324, prosecuting all these sanctuaries for harboring, inducing, encouraging, shielding from detection illegal aliens. But this is where the imperial judiciary comes into play. Could you imagine if the Democrats passed a piece of legislation saying we're going to shield illegal aliens from detection. We're going to allow them to work undetected. We're going to allow people to harbor them. We're going to allow to harbor criminal aliens. Well, you'll say either they would never have the guts to pass that, or if they did, they would be thrown out of office and lose 300 seats in Congress. Think about this for a minute. You could have a law that is passed unanimously. It's signed by a president. It's upheld, it's dealt with, and enforced by the courts for 130 years. We are told, erroneously so, that any district judge has the power to issue a veto and nullify. There's a judicial veto in the Constitution in invisible ink you might never have seen. Could just veto that, and the law is struck down. It's struck down. And how somehow that is binding outside of an individual case on the other branches, that somehow we can't enforce these laws anymore. There is an unbelievable story I'm gonna have out today. A judge who works for open border groups and whose entire family is hooked into La Raza. His sister is the current president of La Raza. He said the law against harboring or at least encouraging and inducing illegal immigration is unconstitutional. It's a violation of First Amendment rights. So this clown, Carlos Murguia, is a federal district judge in Kansas. This is a case in Kansas. This guy works for a organization called El Centro Inc., an open borders group that probably violates 1324, meaning they engage in these activities. And, and again, I want to be very clear here. I am not trying to criminalize advocacy for illegal immigration. You could advocate and say, I, I believe we need to decriminalize illegal immigrants. I think Ill illegal immigrants are awesome. I think it's immoral to have sovereignty. You're allowed to say that. You're allowed to advocate for that. What you're not allowed to do, and this is what's important, is to knowingly take action to help the illegals achieve the end result of that criminality. It's no different than any other conspiracy. I could say, I think the tax laws are stupid. The gun laws are stupid. But what I can't do is shield um, a, an illegal alien, uh, shield you know, a tax cheat or a gun felon in a way that I'm helping him get away with it. I'm not just saying, hey, brother, 
right on. I'm with you. So this was, and so what I'm telling you is a lot of these advocacy groups do that. Casa de Maryland, they literally transport them from place to place. Transporting aliens is, a, I mean, that's an action. That's it's harboring, transporting, transporting is a separate subclause in, in 8 USC 1324. But he just, so this was a case, two guys, um, what were their names? Yabba Dabba Do, as Mark Levin says, they're hard to pronounce. But um, Mauro Papalozzi and Felipe Hernandez Calvillo, they were indicted by a grand jury and convicted by a jury on 1324 because they worked for this drywall company in Lawrence, Kansas, and they were actively engaged in contracting to get illegal aliens to come in for cheap labor. They knowingly, and again, you know, if you didn't know, you didn't know. You have to be, you, you have to show that they knew about it. So that's baked into the cake. They were duly convicted on that, that they knew about it. And in comes this judge, on Wednesday and vacates the conviction. No, I don't like it. Screw you. I don't like it. And he said this law is unconstitutional because he applied a Ninth Circuit ruling, which is not even there, against every other circuit to say, I think this law is overly broad, unconstitutionally broad, because it could rope in speech. Now, folks, even if you believe that the law might be able to be read as overly broad and could possibly rope in someone encouraging just through word of mouth and speech. A judge has no power to do this. We, we've spoken many times about the difference between judicial review and judicial supremacy, a judicial veto. A judge could say, I'm not going to convict you because I think it would be unconstitutional in my view to convict you. So it's my job as a judge to convict and I'm not going to convict. That's judicial power. I'm not going to convict you. But what they can't do is say, I'm striking down the law. Right? They don't veto the law. The law is still there. So, in, so the difference is in this case, this case was an action. It wasn't speech. It was an action. So you can't say, well, because it might someday be applied to, an a, to a speech, I'm gonna, I have the right to veto the law as if it's ripped out of the books, even for an action. There is no such power. But anyway, this guy's sister is Mar Maria or Mar Mary. Um, uh, what's his name? Mergia. She is a Ninth Circuit judge. <laughs> Incestuous. She speaks at La Raza and her identical twin sister, who's also the sister of Carlos, this judge is Janet. She is the current president of La Raza. They call it something else now. I think because La Raza got a bad rap, you know, because it means the race. So they got enough blowback. They now call it um, Unidos US or something. This guy's sister is the head of La Raza, which engages in this criminal activity. His sister one time had to recuse herself from Sheriff Joe Arpaio's trial. Again, you know, the sheriff enforcing the law, he's convicted, but the people here illegally or shielding illegals, and these people who are shielding were themselves illegal too, they are, no, they're, I mean, it's up is down, down is up. Again, it would take 200 years of political capital for the left to do this 
through Congress, but they get an unelected judge. And now watch DHS to never enforce 1324s. They need to double down. Trump needs to declare war on this. But do you understand, folks? This law was on the books. It passed, this iteration is since 1952. It passed the Senate unanimously by voice vote. Some iteration has been on the books since 1885, the contract labor law in 1891. We spoke about this last week, almost unanimously. Circuit courts have dealt with it all the time. But one district judge has more power than all of that put together. No, I mean, they don't. I'm being facetious. But Republican and conservative, conservative Federalist Society um, lawyers think they do. And no one says what I say here. No one pushes back. You know, the law is very simple. 1324 A1A4. It's a felony for anyone who encourages or induces an alien to come to enter or reside in the U.S. knowing or in reckless disregard of the fact that such coming to entry or residence is or will be in violation of law. Subsection 5.1 prohibits any conspiracy to commit any of the preceding acts. The two defendants were convicted on both those counts. Now, the contract labor law of 1885 made it unlawful to in any way assist or encourage the importation of migration to any alien. Are you going to tell me we are less nanny state today than back then? We adhere more to the First Amendment? Really, it wasn't a problem for them. Passed almost unanimously. 1891. Six years later, they passed a law. Section 3 of the 1891 Immigration Act made it a felony to, quote, assist or encourage the importation of migration of any alien by promise of employment through advertisements. You couldn't advertise. That was a felony. Recent years, 1999, Second Circuit, not conservative. They said harboring within the meaning of 1324 encompasses conduct ten tending substantially to facilitate an alien's remaining in the U.S. illegally and to prevent government authorities from detecting his unlawful presence. That's the Second Circuit, U.S. v. Kim, 1999. Fifth Circuit ruled... 1324 is, quote, broadly prescribed any knowing or willful conduct fairly within any of these terms that tends to substantially facilitate an alien's remaining in the U.S. illegally. Everything done in America now is in violation of those laws. Are we going to let one judge vitiate 130 years of history? Or is Trump going to man up and start prosecuting all these sanctuaries? If I were him, I would start in a better circuit. But either way, as Chip Roy, congressman from Texas, said on our show yesterday, it's time to reassert separation of powers. At least from district judges. If you don't want to do the Supreme Court, at least these guys. Folks, send this show to 100 of your friends and family members. Everyone needs to see this. If Republicans would run on this, if another party would run on this, they would win 60% of the vote in America. Everything I'm talking about, even if you're generally more of an immigration expansionist. We don't want the burnings and strangulations, all these gruesome killers that could easily be removed simply by enforcing current law. Just remember, friends, as we have Democrat presidential candidates 
promise to end all laws against illegal immigration and sovereignty, as we have them promise to abolish ICE, just remember that if we don't do anything, it doesn't matter if they win or not. Because random district judges who should have recused from the case that worked for these very advocates engaging in that degree of criminality are accorded the power by our system erroneously to do it unilaterally and to do so without ever facing reprisal and without Democrats ever being punished in an election. I have a lot more to say, a lot more in my, my stack here. We left a lot on the table here that we are going to push for next week. I think we had a very productive week. Thanks for growing this show. We're slowly growing on the video side. We're really growing on the audio side, but I need you guys listening through audio to go to Conservative Review's YouTube page, subscribe to it, like all of our, our videos, drop a comment if you want. Drop a comment to me at dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at rmconservative. The truth will win out. God's word and the Constitution will win out one day. We just need the people to know what they don't know, to know what the political class is not telling them. And to me, it's an honor, while we still have that First Amendment right, to push for that today. Thank you, God bless, and have a terrific summer weekend with your family. Mm -hmm.